You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Daily And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. And we are off on the Friday morning. Good time edition. Hello to everyone across the country from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. in the East. I'm Michael Jenkins. She is Chelsea Messenger. Coming up. The last action from the NBA before All-Star Weekend gets underway in Indianapolis at 620. We will check in on Tiger Woods. Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all back on the course for the first time this season at the Genesis Invitational. That's followed by some history last night and some incredible history in women's college basketball. During the 7 o'clock hour, we make our picks for All-Star Saturday night in the NBA, which includes the three-point contest and the dunk contest, and that is followed by the weekend in college hoops at 7.20, baseball news at 7.40, and during the 8 o'clock hour, more from the hardwood along with our best bets. Chelsea, it's a Friday. You got to be in a good mood. How are you? Yeah, good morning. Happy Friday. It's a weird time in sports, though, because we don't have that much to bet on. So it will be interesting to see, you know, over the last mm, or the next few days, I should say. I guess we have some days coming up that we are off. So obviously it is a good time for us because not only is it a Friday, it's also a weekend where we have an extra long weekend. So, Jenks, did you make any plans for President's Day? No, I honestly, I am just so thrilled just to have the day off because I always say we're going to take it easy. We're going to take it easy, and we never take it easy. We're going to dinner tonight, and then Kelly is in town, my friend Kelly from out on the West Coast, and she is seeing her boyfriend Joe, who lives here in the East. So I worked with Kelly for a long time. So then we're going to see them on Saturday night. And I know after that, we're going to be like, oh, we need a break. And I get the Sunday scaries really, really bad, which is weird for me. Didn't really start until I took this job. I think it's because I wake up so early. So now I'm excited about having a Sunday where I feel like I can breathe for a while and just sleep in on Monday and do nothing. No plans at all. What about you? Well, we're going to Disney World. So hopefully oh, yeah. Monday's the one day that looks like it's supposed to be good weather, which of course this goes right along with like how my luck's been going. It feels like over the last three weeks, uh, I look at the weather forecast and it's all rain except for Monday. So hopefully Monday will be our one chance to go to Disney World. I will say the state of Florida is kind of weird with rain where mm-hmm. it will be in the forecast, but it'll only rain for 20 minutes and it'll be sunny then it'll rain again. So hopefully we get some like pockets of good weather so we can enjoy our time at Disney World. 
is there a favorite character that you, I know you're going for your daughter, but everyone grew up with Disney characters. Is there one particular character or something that you are looking forward to seeing? Oh, I did not care about Disney at all growing up. I did like Disney World. Like we went, I really liked animals. So my favorite ride was the Dumbo ride. I don't think I ever saw the movie of Dumbo because I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure it's like kind of traumatizing. But I have a picture of me on the Dumbo ride when I was like six. So I feel like we should recreate that picture. But we know Blake, my daughter, loves Minnie. She has been Minnie Mouse the last three Halloweens in a row. So she is very excited. Oh, she is going to love It'll be worth it just to see her face, to see her light up when Minnie Mouse shows up because I'd forgotten she's that obsessed with Minnie Mouse. That's going to be a great trip, rain or no. And Chelsea, you're going into the weekend a winner. Flawless Yeah. Um, yeah. Woo. Tell us about right. it. Let's get into the bets from last night. How the T-Wolves is my best bet, laying the eight and a half against the Blazers. The question mark in this one was, is Anthony Edwards going to play? Because he was listed questionable in this game. But the mismatch looked like it was going to be down low because the Timberwolves came in, you know, with their twin towers, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert. And the Blazers are among one of the worst teams at guarding post uh, post players. So we expected a big game. Carl Anthony Towns had 23 points, eight rebounds, and Rudy Gobert followed up with a double-double, 11 points and 12 rebounds. So that one went according to plan. Uh, over in college hoops, man, has it been a tough stretch for me. Going into last night, I had five of my last six college basketball bets decided by one point or fewer, and I had lost all five of those. So it was nice to get like an easy winner. Austin P won on the road uh, by 10, easily covering the three-point spread. So let's go P, as they like let's to say. Let's go P. You got to throw it in when Austin P covers for you. Whoa, man. You talk about sports betting in a couple nights. Here is sports betting in a couple nights. Two nights ago, I had all hockey picks. I went 0-3. Last night, I went 4-0. That's sports betting for you in a nutshell. Had Rangers through my money line against the Canadiens. The Rangers went 7-4 at the Garden. That was minus 155. Had Kraken Bruins under 6 at minus 142. The Kraken went 4-1. Had Penns Blackhawks under 6, minus 120. Penns went 4-1. Then had Wings at Canucks. Three-way money line, minus 115. Canucks went 4-1. I'm so mad I didn't parlay those. Normally, I don't have four bets on the card. That's unusual for me. Even three is usually a big card for me. And if I would have parlayed those, those would have been odds of what? Plus 861, so more than eight to one. Of course, the one time I don't do it, it comes home. But we went a perfect 6-0 and together. And the Dogster was one game away from giving us a perfect night all the way around. He had Wings Canucks under six and a half. I like that bet as well. Again, the Canucks went for one. And the only loser of the night on the card, Denver laying three and a half, hosting North Dakota, and North Dakota wins 92-78. So, for the week, Chelsea, you are three and two, I'm five and four, and the Donkster is three and five. Well, the Rod Kate came at one and one on her bets. Now she's down in Cabo celebrating. I saw those those pictures on Instagram this morning, which were pretty funny. It is a daily tip for Make You Well, presented by BetMGN, the Friday morning good time edition. Great to have you along with us. She is Chelsea. I'm Jinx. Only three games in the NBA last night, and we begin in Salt Lake City, where the Warriors topped the Jazz 140 to 137. 
the Warriors laying two and a half points. The Warriors minus 150 on the money line at MGM. Total set at 241 even, and the over hits. Clay Thompson comes off the bench for Golden State for the first time since March 11, 2012. He admitted before the game he wasn't happy with the decision, but obviously he went with it, and you know what? It pays off. He scores a season-high 35 points, including seven shots from three-point range, six boards. Draymond Green, 23 points. Steph, 16 points, 10 assists. And when it was over, after that outpouring of 35, Thompson said, quote, when this happens, you can do two things. You can pout or you can go out there and respond. And he responded in a huge way, Chelsea. Right. And I feel like he has been pouting. So <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah. that's like, you know, retracing his steps a little bit. But to be fair, what a performance last night for a team that simply needed wins. So I think this is a great note that the Warriors are going into the All-Star break into with not only some wins strung together, but also one of the Splash Brothers feeling a little more happy going into the break because that's part of it. You know, this is a team that's been dealing with all kinds of mental anguish this year. First, it was the Draymond situation. Then it was their assistant coach dying. Now it's Clay Thompson kind of wrestling with the fact that he's not one of the starters anymore. Somebody who was like one of the faces of the franchise. You think of the Splash Brothers, you think of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Now you look at the Warriors and they're riding some momentum going into the break. Jenks, I think things are looking up for the Warriors. I'm not calling for them to win an NBA title or anything, but maybe a team that can scrape together enough momentum just to make it into the postseason and maybe surprise some people. No, I think you're right about that. And during the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to bring in an NBA expert. We're going to talk with Gary Washburn, who covers the NBA and the Celtics for the Boston Globe. And this is one of the things I want to ask him, which is, are we – and we've discussed a little bit on the show. Is it over for the Warriors? Do they have a chance in, in a strange way that suspension from Draymond and now tinkering with the lineup and bringing Clay off the bench, it's given them new life? I don't know if it's enough to push them towards another title, but there's no question that compared to the beginning of the season when they looked absolutely awful, they have started to look more like the Warriors. So we'll see if they can keep this going into the second half of the season. Also, last night, a milestone win for Steve Kerr, the Golden State head coach, who picks up career victory number 500. Oh, my God. In Memphis, the Grizzlies down the Bucks, 113-110. What is going on with Milwaukee? The Grizz were getting 14.5 points. They were plus 600 on the money line. Total set at 222.5. The over hits by the hook, and I almost bet that game, and I would have gone to the under. That would have been a loss. Zaire Williams, Gigi Jackson, each score 27. Vince Williams with 18 points, 12 boards. And the Grizzlies overcome 35 and 12 assists from Giannis to get a huge win. What in the world is going on with Milwaukee? I know they're not at full strength, but it's not like the Grizz are. Jaws out for the season. This is a terrible team. One of the worst teams, I think, the worst team against the number in the NBA at home this season. And what a massive, massive letdown for Milwaukee going into the break. Yeah, now they're going to have to think about a loss to the Grizzlies. Not even the A-team Grizzlies. 
but the C team Grizzlies for the next few days. And maybe this is what they need. Maybe this is the urgency that needs to be injected into this team. Although, doesn't it feel like the urgency was already there when they fired their head coach? Yeah. So I don't know that if this is just a full-blown panic attack, but it feels like one of those things where, you know when you're running late for something and you get flustered mm-hmm. and you do one thing wrong, you drop your keys. And then you spill your coffee, going for your keys. It feels like that chain of events where bad things just keep happening and you just keep panicking. That feels like the Milwaukee Bucks right now. Yeah, it really does. And I understand why they brought in Doc Rivers based on his resume. But even though it's early, he's going to start seeing some heat applied after the All-Star break if he doesn't get things together. And he even said after the game, I think our players were looking ahead to the break. Yeah. They've been looking ahead for a while now because this was a dismal performance, even though they do get 24 points from Dame Dalla. But, man, the Bucs just trying to find themselves under their new head coach. You were on the Timberwolves last night, and they crushed the Trailblazers in Portland, 128-91. The T-Wolves were laying 9.5. That opened around Minnesota, minus 8.5. T-Wolves, minus 455 on the money line total set at 216. And the over hits. Minnesota, after one quarter, leads 44 to 14. That is the most lopsided first quarter in the NBA this season. Anthony Edwards has been banged up, but he does play. Drops 34 points, seven assists, six rebounds. Cat with 23. And the Team Wolves are playing much better as we've gotten closer to the break. They've won four straight. They also lead the Western Conference with 20 victories on the road this season. Road Warriors and a good call on your part. Yeah, uh, well, it was just a mismatch all over the board. Uh, The T-Wolves are one of the best teams in the NBA, especially when they're firing on all cylinders. And the question mark was if Anthony Edwards was going to play. He did. He scored 34. And this is the same deal as the last time they played the Blazers. This this game was a nice little treat because the T-Wolves had just played the Blazers a couple nights ago and sometimes the Mm -hmm. question is okay can you beat a team twice is this the blueprint for the game that's going to happen after uh after this one well the first one was 121 to 109 this be this victory was even a wider margin uh of winning for the t wolves and again dominating the paint dominating the rebounding uh margin here so i figured this one would go the, the way that i hoped and it was nice that it actually came through Yeah, absolutely. An easy winner when you're leading by that many after one quarter. Even though I know the NBA can go up and down, the Blazers just cruised through this one. They were led, or the T-Wolves, I should say. Blazers led by Jeremy Grant, who had 20. Scoot Henderson returns to the lineup and adds 15 in the loss. In the top 25 last night, a, well, just a single game on the schedule, at least as far as the top teams are concerned. And it's number two, Purdue downing Minnesota, 84-76. Minnesota getting 17. Purdue laying 3,500 on the money line. Total 145 in the overhits. Now, the Boilers were down 10 points early in the second half. They rallied to get the win. Zach Eady leads Purdue 24 points, 15 boards. No surprise there. Braden Smith, a nice game. 16 points, nine assists, eight boards. And we wondered yesterday... Is Dawson Garcia going to suit up for Minnesota after being kicked in the crotch over the weekend? He was questionable before this game. He plays, and you know what? He was a huge factor in helping the Golden Gophers cover here. He had 24 points in 32 minutes. So good on Dawson for tightening it up and then getting in the game. 
Yeah, I wish we would have known he was going to play. Because I think both of us really liked Minnesota here. They continue yeah. their reign as one of the best covering teams in all of NCAA basketball. 21-3 against the spread this year. So when you see Purdue getting 17 points, a team that had not been great at covering at home this season, mm -hmm. this felt like an easy play. And I wish I would have played it. Darn. I know. I'm the same. I mean, and how can you fact? You asked the question yesterday. Look, I can't answer this. You've been kicked in the crotch before. It doesn't really take that long to return from it. Generally, no, but that's how we knew it was pretty serious. Garcia gets in there. And Minnesota, the best ATS team in college basketball this mm -hmm. season, 21-3. and three. Woo. Coming up in five minutes here on the show, Tiger Woods has a new clothing line, and apparently some Major League Baseball players would like one as well. That is next on the Daily Tip from BQL, presented by BetMGM. Great to have you with us on a Friday. Start there. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Welcome back. Mm -hmm. It is the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. I'm Jinx. She's Chelsea. Coming up, he's got a new logo, but would that translate into a new Tiger Woods at the Genesis Invitational? You know, Chelsea, we were talking on this show about how excited we should be or should not be when it comes to watching Tiger Woods on the course. And I have to say, yesterday, I was sitting in front of my computer. I was working on this show, drinking a little coffee, kind of hanging out. And all of a sudden, I thought, wait, Tiger's on the course. And by God, I pulled up a website. I think it was ESPN. And I started watching Tiger play. Even when you know that he's probably not going to perform up to expectations like he used to. He's still Tiger. And I was someone who was saying, well, you know, whatever. It's not like it used to be. But, man, there's something about him being on the course. And I was watching the first round yesterday. Did you? Uh, yeah, because we watch golf all the time. Even when it's not, like, meaningful golf, oh, yeah. we have the golf channel on. So, uh, at least yesterday, it felt <clears throat> it felt like I actually wanted to watch because Tiger just has this presence and like you see the crowd just follow him wherever he goes. And just when he swings the club, it's iconic. So it was actually nice for once. The golf was on our house uh, TV 24 hours a day. Finally, it paid off. Finally, you get to watch something that isn't some random recap of the 1968 U.S. Open. Jake has to see how it finished, even though he could find out easily. Nah, you got to watch it on the golf channel. I kind of appreciate the fact that he's a golf nut, but it is nice to have a current tournament, especially with Tiger on the course. And he was not bad yesterday. It was, I think, what you might expect, which is some shots where he looked great, except on 18. He did what we all do. He was right in the middle of the fairway, approach shot on 18. And I don't know if you saw this. He absolutely just shanked it. A shank, no question about it, right into some trees, led to a bogey. And when it was over, he was asked about it, and Tiger owned it. 
What happened there, and is that still a shock to the system for you when that happens? Well, my, my back was spasming in the last couple holes, and I was locking up, so um, I came down, and, and it, it didn't move. And I presented Hosel first and uh, shanked it. When's the last time you hit a shank, Tiger? think you can remember. It's been a while. It's definitely been a while. Uh, other than trying to hit flop shots and other kind of weird shots around the greens, uh, not, not from the position I was at. Well, I'll give Tiger credit to owning it. And right now he is tired for 49th at one over after shooting a first round 72. Patrick Cantlay leads the way at seven under. We got three golfers tied for second, Cam Davis, Luke Bliss, Jason Day. And then we have Tom Hoagie, Jordan Spieth, and Will Zalatoris rounding out the top five. This is something that you don't normally see from Tiger, but... I think it's just part of his process. And and frankly, Chelsea, considering what we've seen from him in the past, I thought this was a pretty decent effort from him. Yeah, it's hard to expect a lot when he's coming off such a long layoff from competitive golf. He has been playing in like a sprinkling of events. He played in like the father-son tournament with his son, Charlie, but that's not like a PGA Tour event. So the last PGA Tour event, I believe, was the Masters last year but people love to you know say this oh tiger shanked it he's just like us but did you see some of his other shots like his approach yes. shot through the trees on the last shot where oh yeah i'm just gonna you know have it right here next to this tree oh there's another tree over there well i'm gonna split it and i'm gonna go right to the green and i'm gonna land it a few feet from the cup so like there were some shots sprinkled in there that were reminiscent of the old tiger mm-hmm. because that's the thing even when other parts of his game are off, it is still so fun to watch him play because he's a good scrambler. And so when he hits these bad shots, like he's one of the one of the best on tour at getting it back in play and not losing his cool. So people, you know, I saw all the retweets of the Shanks say, "Oh yeah, Tiger Woods just like a no. Tiger Woods is not just <laughs> no, he's like not. you." Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, he's just like us because I'd go out to Pacific Palisades and I'd shoot a 72. I was like, yeah, it was going to be even for the day. But then I, you know, I shanked one on 18. Yeah, I'm just like Tiger. No, I'm not like Tiger Woods. If I played that course, I would have a 172. I think that expression is funny as well. It just makes you feel a little better, like even the pros every now Mm -hmm. and then. But I think when you're Tiger too, and this is something that he will probably have to continue to deal with because you know, when you have so many injuries to your body, and it's been well-documented, Tiger has had multiple back surgeries, he's had knee surgery, he was in that terrible car wreck, so his body is kind of a wreck. It's never going to be 100% again, and so when you have that many ailments that you're always managing, then you end up 
compensating, right? You're compensating for one area and how one area of your body feels. So maybe you put pressure on your back or another leg. And I don't know if the back spasms were a part of that, but it's something he's just always going to have to deal with from here on out just because his body has taken so much damage over time, be it from that terrible accident and also just from golf itself. Well, here's the other thing. On tour, it feels like you have to play four very good consecutive rounds. And right now, it feels like that is the toughest part for Tiger Woods. He will have some good shots. He will have some good rounds. But can he string it together for four consecutive rounds? Because this was a day where it felt like it was an opportunity to go low. Patrick Cantlay shot a 7 under 64. The elements were just right. I was looking on the TV. I was like, man, it looks nice out there. Uh, mm-hmm. Sunny, everything going in the right direction. So this was the day to feast. This was the day to go low at the Genesis, and Tiger couldn't really take advantage. So I think that's the other thing. It's not just Tiger struggling. It's that the rest of the tour has so many good, consistent players on it. Well, you mentioned Patrick Cantlay. He is the current favorite at BetMGM to win the Genesis Invitational at plus 350. You've got Scotty Scheffler at 6-1, to one, Jordan Speed 10-1. to one. Then Cam Davis and Willie Zalatoris at 14-1. to one. I think that's the guy I would probably be on. Zalatoris is only two back of the lead, tied for fifth at five under after a 66. I know yesterday when we talked with Meg McDonald from Monumental Sports Network, she really loved that play. So I think I'm going to put a sprinkle on Zalatoris at 14-1. It's very difficult, even after a round or two, to pick a winner of the tournament. But I think that's where I'm going to put my money. Yeah, it's surprising, but not surprising to see Scotty Scheffler up there. I remember poking mm-hmm. my head in to watch, you know, some of it on the TV. Scotty Scheffler missed like a two-foot putt. I'm like, how is somebody this good at <laughs> golf? And then just putting just evades him. It's wild to me. I don't know what he needs to change, but this has been the problem for Scotty Scheffler. He is so good and so consistent, but the putting just doesn't seem to be there some of the time. So I know it's one putt. And he is a good enough golfer to overcome it. Because here's the thing about Scotty Scheffler. People love to hate on his putting, but yet he Mm -hmm. finishes top five like all the time. So that's the thing. He's so good at the other aspects that sometimes the putting doesn't matter as much as you'd think it would. No, he, oh, totally. He is an absolute machine when it comes to finishing in the top 10. I need to look at what those odds are right now. And right now he is tied for 10th, three under par. So he's right there in position to, at some point, maybe make a run. That's why he's up there as the second favorite. But you're right. I know people give him a hard time about the flat stick. But ultimately, he's a guy who always has a chance to make a run or at least finish amongst the the best in the field. And I think I might look at maybe, if it's not too much minus money, looking at some money there. Want to talk about some Major League Baseball news and get your thoughts here, Chelsea, because Major League Baseball has a new partner when it comes to making their uniforms this season. And it is with Nike. In partnership with Fanatics, you will see new uniforms. And these are causing a stir around Major League Baseball because nobody likes them. They look terrible, especially the replica jerseys. I don't know if you've seen these. They suck. They look terrible. They don't have any stitching anymore, right? So they're on cheaper material. So instead of getting that stitching and little layering, nah, they just did the whole heat press. Like, shh, ah, there's your jersey. They moved the MLB logo down off the back collar. So now it's sitting 
right above the name and the number. So those are just the replicas. And even the players are saying these authentic jerseys don't look right. They don't feel right. I think Miles Michaelis was saying that they look cheap. And some of the players are also complaining that the pants are no longer customized, so they don't fit. It sort of seems like a mess. Am I making too much out of this? But when I feel like you're reading stories about how players don't like uniforms and uniforms should be a pretty easy thing, I would think, to get right, I I would lean to the fact that maybe they got this wrong because Nike went the cheap route. Yeah, it does look cheap. It looks like the Wish.com version of whatever they were trying to order. Or Timu, or, you know, what are the other sites? Shein, all of, like, the the really fast fashion companies that sell things for, like, this is $3.92. And you're like, how is this so cheap? And then you get it in the mail, and you're like, this is why it's so cheap. It looks like this. So, yeah, I think the lettering looking smaller, that's, like, your first mistake But when I am somebody who is not a Jersey gal, I am not wearing these jerseys. So normally I wouldn't care. But here's the thing. It matters to players. And I think we have seen this in years past. Just look at Chris Sale. Remember that incident when he was with, was it the Chicago White Sox, where he wanted to wear a certain uniform, they didn't let him, and so he starts cutting up his jersey? This is how (laughs) invested players are in their uniforms. And I know not every player has the temper of Chris Sale, um newest atlanta brave uh should see how that works out but still this is a big deal if this is something that they're going to be wearing 162 times a year not including the postseason so especially if the pants aren't fitting right because nobody wants to trot out there feeling like you're tugging at your pants and they're not fitting in the right direction especially when you've had the same uniform for quite Mm -hmm. some time so i don't know if they're going to have to make alterations but you best believe these guys are going to do whatever it takes to make them feel comfortable in these uniforms, even if they can't make them look better. They went the cheap route. I'm telling these authentic jerseys, it's on a different type of material now. And of course, they increase the prices as well. So this is all about profit margin. But it's one thing, well, it's not one thing to screw the fans. I mean, I'm never behind that. But it's even worse, I think, when even the major leaguers, you're playing major league baseball. The one thing you shouldn't have to do is go to your local cleaners and be like, hey, can you alter my baseball pants? Nike doesn't make them fitted anymore, and they're super, super loose, and they're too long. Can you you alter these for me? I got a pitch on Friday. I know it's a a quick turnaround. Can you do that? I got the Pirates coming to town. I really need a dub. Ridiculous. Yeah, Justin Verlander is going to be furious. Justin Verlander, Robbie Ray. Who else wears, like, the tightest pants in baseball? Because, like, Robbie Ray and Justin Verlander – Boy, does it make me uncomfortable seeing the pants that they wear. Jinx, are you somebody who will wear tight jeans or like skinny jeans? Oh, yeah. I always go like two sizes too small. I like to be super, super tight with my jeans. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't like <laughs> – I try to find the balance between, between I like more of a form-fitting jean because I think that's just more stylish, but I'm not going to be mm-hmm. something – I'm not going to wear some sort of nut huggers where all of a sudden like my pant legs are also like two inches above my ankles and I look ridiculous. And sometimes you'll see that I'm like, dude, I wouldn't wear that even if I were in my 20s. So I like to do stylish and fitted. That's what I I think is the right word here. Fitted jeans where they fit you well, they look good, but it's not like, dude, what you need to go up a size, sir, sir. It's so funny when my husband needs to do laundry, he will get out his old like workout pants 
and you see the difference in fit. Jenks, have you ever done this? Because the style now is more fitted. Like even oh, yeah. men's, like the Lululemon pants and stuff, it's just like a more mm -hmm. tailored look. So if he gets his pants out from like college and you're like, oh my God, you used to wear these? These yeah. look so bad. Have you ever done that where it's laundry day and you pull out some pants? You're like, whoa, looks like I'm wearing oh, potato yeah. sacks. Oh, I got some old school shorts from back in the day. Because in the 90s and when the Fab Five was popular and Jordan was doing this, it's it, everything's cyclical, right? Now, in the mm -hmm. 80s, especially in basketball workout pants, everything was super tight. You can look at NBA players and it's like, how short are those shorts? They're really short. And then we got to the baggy era where even your jeans, like what were the Z Cavariches I used to wear? They had pleats for God's sakes. Imagine wearing loose jeans with pleats like oh yeah and they would ride up high i got a picture of my high school yearbook for some award i got and i'm standing there with the girl who got the award on the female side and these jeans are the baggiest things you've ever seen and now they've sort of come back where it's not too tight but it's tighter but yeah i definitely have those were you wearing a bunch of baggy stuff like you're a member of tlc or something in the 90s well this was 2010 like in the 90s i was like oh. a few years old so like, this is not even that Sorry. long ago, James. Like this <laughs> yeah. is like in 2010, like stuff was just baggier for men. And so now it's gone the other route where like you have to show like mid thigh or you just like look sloppy. And again, like I'm not a man. I just see what my husband wears uh, and he hates the skinny stuff. Like he is a man's man. He doesn't want to wear short shorts. He doesn't want to wear skinny jeans, but I'm like, sweetie, you got to make it a little tighter. Just tighten it up a little bit, you know? Doesn't have to be super, just, you know, just kind of get with the now, man. Coming up next on the show, we're going to talk about some of the sports headlines, making news across the country, and why one soccer superstar says he wants to get in the ring. Doesn't sound like a good idea. It is a daily tip for BetQL presented by BetMGM. Stay right there. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM <laughs> on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the show. It's the Friday morning good time edition. The Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by Bet MGM. Coming up, Iowa's Caitlin Clark finally chases down college basketball history. And speaking of college basketball, the Fairleigh Dickinson basketball team had quite an evening last night. They were playing LIU at LIU, and they were at the Steinberg Wellness Center in Brooklyn, and they were going from the court to the locker room just before tip-off in the elevator. They got stuck in the elevator. They get in, all of a sudden it goes dark, it stops, they freak out, they hit an emergency button to sort of let everyone know, look, we need help here. One of the players had his cell phone with him. He called another player to let him know, you got to get some help here, we're in an elevator. So they were there for about 10 minutes before they were finally helped off the elevator, and that's when New York City firefighters sort of pulled them out. And then they decided, all right, let's give these guys some extra time to practice 
before tip-off because they've been stuck in this confined space. And guess what? They ended up winning the game by two. So maybe this is what they needed, a little time together to sit and think in the dark about how they were going to play this game because they ended up winning. But let me ask you, Chelsea, this is a fear of a lot of people because you're it's a confined space. If you're claustrophobic, there's other people in there with you, then it gets dark. Would you freak out even if it were 10, 15 minutes caught on an elevator with a bunch of people? Uh, yeah, that sounds terrible. It feels uh. to me that elevators don't catch enough heat. Like we have like, look at Dak Prescott. If he leads the league in interceptions, he's getting mm -hmm. roasted. If he loses a playoff game, he's getting roasted. Elevators, they malfunction and like they send out an email to the building. They're like, yeah, somebody got stuck in an elevator for like 15 minutes. What are you going to do? Do you ever think about this? Like elevators <laughs> still feels like they're not super safe. And granted, I have ridden in an elevator many times mm -hmm. and it's done its job. So maybe I'm treating it like a kicker where, you know, when he does his job, you're like, yes, yeah, you're doing your job. But when he misses one, you're like, oh, my God, this is terrible. <laughs> so what do you think the narrative should be going forward on elevators? If elevators were a topic on first take, <laughs> what do you think they would oh, be God. screaming about? Oh, Stephen A would yell that there is not enough maintenance being done on elevators so many people take the stairs that we don't think about there are people who need elevators and then that's a terrible impression by the way and he would yell about how we aren't taking care of elevators like these are kids trying to learn and i quite frankly i have not taken an elevator in years because of this that's what it would be he would just yell because there's no way this should ever happen in a college basketball game lives or in danger, and they would go back and forth. You know what? I feel like that elevators are a lot safer than they used to be. I disagree. You know, back and forth, back and forth, and then the hot take. You know, we should do that on on this show and just have a spirited debate about something ridiculous. Could be an elevator, could be a dumb waiter, anything. We just pick, we just pick a side and we go for it because I feel like they do that on first take all the time. Anyway, elevators don't bother me like they do some people, but I will say a crowded elevator does start to get to me. That's when I kind of get the heebie-jeebies. Like, I'm fine with an elevator. I'm like, oh, this stopped. I'd figure it out. We'd, we'd get out. But when it's packed, and sometimes you can feel the elevator struggling to lift that many people to a certain level, I'm like, mm, this isn't great. So let's say, lay down the ground rules of elevators, because I think the worst thing is when the elevator is already packed and somebody gets on, and you're like, what, what are you doing? Like, can't you see we're already crowded? I feel like if there is one person per corner, like that's already too much. Maybe you could mm -hmm. do like the star formation where you have like a person in each corner and then like somebody in the yeah. middle. But I'm one of those people that I would rather wait for the next elevator than get on an elevator that has like more than five people. Unless I guess oh, yeah. like one of the elevators is down because I understand I've lived in a high rise building where if you're trying to get somewhere and you have to wait on the elevator, it is very much an inconvenience. But Jenks, do you think, do you fall with me on uh, this line of thinking when it comes to the amount of people that should be allowed in an elevator? Yeah, you got to have some sort of limit, right? There is a weight limit. And Matt just put this in mm -hmm. the chat that when he was in Rome and he was studying Rome, which I didn't know, that's very cool. But he was in an apartment and the elevator there had a weight limit of 300 pounds. That's nothing. So I always worry like, hey, we've got seven people crammed on this elevator. 
that's when I, I'm like you. Normally, I might squeeze it, but I don't want to be rude either. Like, I'm not going to be the guy that tries to part a sea of people so I can squeeze in. I can wait the extra 30 seconds. But you see that from time to time. I'm with you. I, I would rather wait if it's packed. But sometimes you'll see someone, and by God, they're getting in that elevator no matter what. They might have a bag with them. And you're like, dude, just, you know what I mean? Like, if you can just wait a minute, it'll be fine. But some people like to get in there. They have no patience. That's the one thing I do not miss about living in a high rise. Like now we walk up to our front door and it's way easier because then mm -hmm. you have to do like the pleasantries. And like some days I just don't feel like talking, which you have probably experienced on this very show. Some days yeah. I just don't feel like faking a smile. Like, how are you? I'm like, God, how many <laughs> floors do I have to go? Do you talk to people in elevators? You probably do. <laughs> no, I don't. Jen. Well, what I always do is, I, I, what I generally do is I just always wish someone that I'm standing with a good day. Like when I'm walking out, I just say, Hey, have a good day. Good and day. Kind of, I just, uh, tip of the capster, uh, uh, my lady. So I'll just say, Have a good one or have a good day. And they'll be like, Oh, yeah, you too. I don't know. I think I like it's just a simple way to sort of spread a little kindness because it's weird. You're strangers and it's, yeah. especially if it's early, right? Like nobody, you're just getting going. I don't know. I feel like it's, just, it's a simple gesture that kind of comes out of nowhere, but that's pretty much the only thing do Chelsea would you do this would you box or engage in some sort of sport that's way outside of your experience because former soccer star Wayne Rooney you know Wayne Rooney played for Man U England mm -hmm. whatever it is and he has said that he's thinking about he's talking to a promotions company Misfits Boxing about getting in the ring and he has zero experience boxing. And if you're wondering about Misfits Boxing, this is the promotional company that has staged different events with like Logan Paul, for example, and YouTube stars. Why in the world, if you're an international soccer legend, would you ever want to get in the ring? I remember when Nate Robinson tried that against Jake Paul. Remember that? Like three years ago? I watched mm -hmm. that YouTube video yesterday, and he got absolutely... He, he, he went to sleep. And every time Nate Robinson tweets now, someone always, just always, no matter what, to a person will tweet back a picture of him lying on the mat, passed out. This is an awful idea. Well, they said that about Jake Paul too, right? And I feel like he's yeah. actually a pretty good boxer. So I don't know. I don't know what his skills entail. But I will say this. If you can fashion a career in boxing, isn't the money really good? Yes. Like, that's the thing. How much is Logan Paul or whatever Paul brother is boxing now making? Like, he makes a yeah. killing. So, like, if you can be good at it, and I don't know if this is one of his hobbies, but I will say this. Wayne Rooney was a soccer player before he was a manager, correct? Like, really good soccer yes. player. I feel like if you are that good at a sport where you're a professional athlete, you are top of the world, whatever, you probably have this, like, invincible feeling, like, oh, well, I'm really athletic. I can probably do whatever I put my mind to because I can't put myself in those shoes. I've never been that good at anything. So maybe it's the mindset as well of somebody who's yeah. been good at something his entire life and thinking, huh, why don't I give this a try? Yeah. And then he, he tried to backtrack a little bit but said he was still thinking about it right now. He says he wants to focus on managing, but we'll see. I just always hate it when some of these people kind of get in over their skis a little bit. It's like, dude, if you're going to, especially if you're going to buy, it's one thing if you're like, hey, I'll try and play some basketball and you miss some shots. Okay. If you're going to try and box, 
you can get knocked out and that is forever. Oh my God, I would stay away from that. We have to talk about Caitlin Clark, the Iowa superstar mm-hmm. last night, breaking the NCAA women's all-time scoring record previously held by Kelsey Plum of Washington. Clark needs only eight points to get this done. And it took her two minutes and 12 seconds to get the record all to herself. Recovered by Gabby Marshall. Here comes Clark. How will she go for history? women's college basketball 49 points last night please do yourself a favor and watch this highlight this was on purpose i mean it was awesome she shot from the hawkeyes logo and i mean the call was great and she's running down the court she wanted the record she's like you know what i'm just going to do a quick jump stop and fire this from deep and nothing but net it is an awesome highlight and she said afterwards she goes You all knew I was going to shoot a logo three for the record. That's the only way to do it. And of course she hits it. What? That's an incredible moment. And she is just, she never ceases to amaze as a basketball player. Oh yeah. Uh, I think that's what they call a heat check, isn't it? Like when you're playing the old school video game, NBA 2K and the ball's on fire and you're like, well, you got to go for it. Cause this was Uh absolutely a long range three. And some of the memes and some of the tweets were pretty funny saying should Caitlin Clark replace Clay Thompson on the Warriors you know (laughs) her sharpshooting is so good but here's the overall message that everybody is going to be saying and I'll say it too because it's I feel like Mm -hmm. pretty important this is good for women's basketball because over the past couple years with uh, Angel Reese Caitlin Clark uh, the rivalry that they've had and what Caitlin Mm -hmm. Clark is doing it is drawing more attention and more eyes to women's basketball than we've seen in quite some time. You know, there were some glory stretches where we had these really dominant teams, you know, with Pat Summit, with Gina Arema, and, you know, the teams that just absolutely beat the brakes off people. But now it's Caitlin Clark and what she's doing on the court. And I feel like it is giving more respect to the women's game. So, you know, you can slice it any way you want, but this is bigger than just Caitlin Clark. Oh, absolutely. It's huge for the game. And I was having a conversation with just a random person a few weeks ago, sitting around having a drink, waiting on the lovely Catherine. And we were talking sports and he wanted to talk women's basketball. He wanted to talk Don Staley. He wanted to talk Kim Mulkey. He wanted to talk a little WNBA. He wanted to talk UConn and and how they're falling off a little bit compared to SC. And I was like, I don't know if I can keep up, but he was a huge women's basketball fan so you're seeing that more and more and i don't blame it because man what caitlin clark did last night was crazy exciting coming up next it's the nba all-star weekend and it is next on the daily tip thank you all presented by ben MGM. for more listen to the daily tip presented by BetMGM weekday mornings from 6 to 9 eastern on the beck ql network the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts